for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just, Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Good morning and welcome in ESPN 1000. It's Brian Hanley and Mark Zander on a Sunday morning. Well, the Cubs, that wasn't a good story for you, Brian, but the Kentucky Derby? Wow, Rich Strike, you had your money on him, right? Uh, no, a lot of my friends <laughs> said, hey, did you have that? Nobody had that. Well, you know, yeah. right, it was an 80-to-1 long shot. What a, what a great story, Mark, and we'll get to I know. baseball. And Jesse Rogers will be joining us, so yep. we'll look forward to, to his uh, perspective on both sides of town, but... An 80-to-1 shot that, as of yesterday morning, wasn't even in the race. Right. He, right. He, was I, it now Friday? It was Friday morning, right? That wasn't yeah, Friday in the race? Morning, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, actually, yeah. at the beginning of the week, he was an also-eligible horse. He had to have four horses drop out to get into the race. And as of yesterday, <laughs> they were planning on, on shipping him to New York for, uh, for a stakes race uh, in a, mo- a couple weeks or so, the Peter Pan stakes. So... He he had actually told his dad that, you know, they're not going to make it. Um, and then 15 minutes later, the track officials called and say that D. Wayne Lucas scratched his horse and you're in. This horse had won one of seven races. They claimed him for $30,000, which is a lot of money to most people. Yeah, and but that's race, nothing in the horse, the horse racing, right? I mean, yeah, you, right. you know, Epicenter and, and Zandon, I mean, you're talking about horses that are, you know, paid, they paid millions of dollars for. And this, this, jockey Sonny Leone is a really good jockey but at really small tracks right he's not making his money at Belmont or Gulfstream Park or Keeneland he's at Turfway Park and and you know down in Arizona and you know scratching out a living and he but you saw that ride he gave this horse it's one of those stories where you just I lost money on the race and I I couldn't be upset about it because no no it's a, it's a once in a lifetime dream come true for for the owner the trainer the jockey the horse itself just showed you and you know I when the, when the the trainer owner said after the race in the uh, interview that they would never enter a race they didn't think they could win and and he was very sincere in saying that even though he was 80 to 1 and nobody I know had a dollar on him um it's just one of those great stories. The trainer they had a, a barn fire in 2016 or 17 and lost like 23 horses. Yeah, 23 uh, horses. Yeah. Lost everything. Was about to give up everything and, and you know, kept going. And he dropped out of high school to become a trainer. And this owner had like two horses in training. I mean, he it's not he's not some oil, you know, some chic who owns a hundred horses and can, you know, buy whatever he wants. It's, it's just one of those great horse racing stories. Everyone, the owner, the, the jockey and the trainer all had a great story. It, it's kind of like a grassroots uh, operation as opposed to these big corporate operations, right? That's a good comparative. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and another thing too, I, I'm, I, I'm aware of, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby and I, and I saw it, but I'm not, I'm not into it like maybe somebody like you. And I would yeah. imagine that anybody who's casually a fan, this is the type of story that will suck you in. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. because it's 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 the you know, comparatively speaking, it's the average guy, it's the average horse, it's a ridiculous amount of luck and circumstance that made this happen. And this really puts horse racing you know, forget about Bob Baffert and that whole mess. 
this really kind of puts it front and center and makes people really appreciate what this sport is all about when something like this could happen. My old buddy, Terry Bors, you, when we were at the Sun-Times together, he used to go to the Derby every single year. And we, he would get down there like 10 days early. And he would come back and tell me how much that, that, that was his favorite thing to cover of all sports. And Terry covered, I mean, he was a great columnist at the Sun-Times before he became a radio icon in sports talk radio. Mm-hmm. And he would tell me how much he loved being in the backstretch around the barns, talking to trainers and grooms and 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 just the stories and and, the, and just love being around it. And and I mean, I fell in love with that's, you know, I, I'm one of these dopes that hopes to to claim a horse, maybe not for thirty thousand, but for twelve thousand or whatever, with some friends, and, and envision some day wearing the you know the stupid uh, loud sport coats and everything else and be be <laughs> part of that derby. And you know, it, it's that's what people dream of and i mean if look you know you're blessed if you're able to afford one horse and and i've been in the winter circle many times and it's just a great feeling because it's it's like in any sport you feel like you're part of a team that did something right if you right you know how difficult it is to win any race at any track and from the the heart of the horse the talent of the horse to the trainer getting them ready and there are things you can't control like d wayne lucas i don't know why he scratched that horse on friday but you know, there was a horse acting up in the gate right at the at the the derby, right? And they backed him out. And I don't know if they're they're going to scratch. Sometimes they scratch him right at, at post time. Mm-hmm. And there are things you can't control. But when it all comes together, it I mean, it's just it's part of a winning team. And you just, you know, one of the owners said he got into it because he's retired and he's bored and needs something to look forward to every month. So, you know, every week or so your horse trains and you get a video or you go to the track and watch him. And every four or five weeks they usually run and it it does. It gives you something to look forward to. It gives you a little excitement uh, in in your life. It's, it's really, it's hard to put into words, but it's, it's a great, that story just tells me, it shows me how much, you know, I love being part of part of that thing. Well, across the board, it's for the, you know, the, the people who are involved directly in it, people like yourself and casual fans. This is something that everybody can grab onto. What a great story. Let's listen to the the stretch call because Mike Tarico did a hell of a job too. Yeah, because here, he did. Here comes Rich Strike up the up the uh, rail, and no one saw it coming. Zozos is next after three quarters in one minute, ten and four foot seconds, and now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Brown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Brown Pride battling with Messier. They're stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cybernet swings up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run, and they're into the stretch. And it's Messier, Brown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead as they arrive into the final furlong. Sandon is coming after him. Epicenter and Sandon, these two, strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. We're coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandon, reach strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Now, that's the great Larry Coleman's on the call. Mike Tarico yeah. said immediately, rich strike, how about lightning strike? And I mean, that's really what it was. Lightning struck for the for the owner of the track. I mean, okay. So, what part of the track, Brian? What part of the track did this? I mean, if you're if you're dividing the track and say eighths, this was like seven eighths into the race, right? Where this really started happening, developing. I mean, so you know, he's in the last post. You know, he's in the twentieth post. He's wearing number twenty one, 
and he falls immediately back to the at the back of the pack. And Sonny Leon, the, the jockey, saves all the ground going uh, on the rail, and then he starts maneuvering through nineteen other horses, basically. And in the last, I think he said in the last fifteen yards, he felt like he had the race won. And that, I mean, that's how that's he had you, to make one more move coming off the rail, and he just he swallowed up Zandon and Epicenter, and and ended up winning eighty to one shot. I'm hearing Xander, but it was Zandon. Zandon, yeah. Well, you could be, yeah, yeah. We <laughs> I wouldn't put my money on him. Actually, and, and, I wouldn't put look, my right, money right. on Messier because of uh, my appreciation for Mark Messier on on the ice for all those years. Is this the greatest finish that you've ever witnessed? Oh boy, there've been a few of them. That it's it's a great it's maybe the greatest story um, that mm-hmm. that I, I remember. And our guy Jay Cantu, who you know grew, grew up or is friends with uh, with Keith uh, Keith Asmus and Steve Asmus, and is the great you know, the best trainer right now, the winningest trainer. Jake, you were counting your money, weren't you? Counting count my money, man. Uh, Count your money. You're, you're yards away from the wire, and even. I mean, he was went off at what four to one is the favorite. Four to one is a pretty good price for a favorite, and you were probably thinking, "What am I going to do? I'm going to spend some money tonight." <laughs> <laughs> I was, but it was spoiled like really quickly. But well, uh, within ten seconds, yeah. I think your money was spoiled, pal. It was like you know when your uh, life flashes before your eyes. I was just yeah. thinking what I was going to do with my money, and then yeah. just disappeared. A, a wah, buddy wah, of mine wah, had a sad trombone. A, a buddy of mine had. Uh, a guy I own horses with had ten dollar exactas, and he he put like the entire field over Zandon. If Zandon came in second, he would have made twelve thousand five hundred dollars. He came in third <sighs> on a ten dollar exacta. That's how much the the payoffs were with an eighty to one shot over it. So he's he's like typical. <laughs> it's typical. Yeah. Would have, yeah. could have, should have, almost did. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Yeah, you know, let us know if you enjoyed the Derby. There was uh, much to enjoy on the uh, South Side. Although it took, it was like the Derby race, right, Brian? It took all the way to the end for the White Sox to really kind of show up, and uh, they came back, and it was an exciting finish. We'll end up talking to Jesse about that. Tough day on the North Side. Uh, they got blanked in the first game. What was that guy pitching for the Dodgers? What's his name again? Uh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, oh, Jerry yeah, Zoom. that guy. Jerry Zuma tweeted out a close-up of a Chicago dog. He said, I'm here. So I knew he was at Wrigley, right? Now, yeah. he had sport peppers on the dog. I'm not a sport pepper guy. I'll put everything else on there. And everyone's like, man, that looks great. I wish I was there. It's been too long since I've been to Wrigley. And, you know, he, so he tweeted out, I'm here. And I, I tweeted back at him. Unfortunately, so was Clayton Kershaw. Um, but, you know, people still a, – a buddy of mine is a season ticket holder. And I said to him last week, he was – he was going out there, and it was overcast. It was rainy. I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? He goes, I just love Wrigley Field. It's my happy place. And people were tweeting that at Jerry Azuma, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, they sold 69,000 tickets for the split doubleheader yesterday. And I get it. It was a nice sunny day. It was a beautiful day to be outside. I, I, I mean, as long as you're going to be, you know, if you're aiding and abetting the Ricketts rebuild plan, someone tweeted out the Cubs are now tied for fourth for the first overall pick in the draft. Whoopie I do. saw that. I saw that. I'm mean, like, you know, that this is what you're rooting for, but you're you're out there buying the twenty dollar hot dogs, wherever they are, ten dollar hot dogs, fourteen dollar beers, and buying tickets. Someone paid full price for sixty nine thousand tickets. You might have gotten them on the secondary market for less, but someone initially paid that. Uh, you know, knock yourself out. But th- this team is so far away from being relevant. 
I mean, I'm almost, you know, ticked off about it. Uh, you know, but well, as a fan, you should be. I, I love the line "eating and abetting." If, yeah. if you're supporting this nonsense, now I, lo- I look. I appreciate Wrigley on a beautiful too. day too. I grew up there, but uh, but how how can you keep that appreciation when this is happening and it, it's 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 going to get worse before it gets better? I, I will I'll ask Jesse, and I'll ask you. I don't see them. Okay, so the White Sox have won what five in a row now. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yep. And yep. and we maybe we'll look back on the win yesterday. Although Dallas Keuchel's starting today with his eight point four zero ERA, um, it's against a bad Red Sox team. Dylan Cease gave you the you know gave you gave up one earned run, gave you an opportunity to be down just a run going into the. The ninth inning, you tied and you went three to one in extras. Um, it's against a bad Red Sox team, but Tony Tony Larusa said he's been saying all along it's it's heart, guts, and talent, which might be hyperbole for for a five hundred team. But they they found a way to win that game, right, and keep that winning streak going. And that's and that's that's huge for confidence too. To know sure. now, I know it's Boston. I know it's Boston. But no, still. but my point is, yeah. how important is that game? Because you might look back yep. on it and this this five game streak if Dallas Keiko can acquit himself today, could turn into an eight-game streak. And you might look back on that as, as a very important game to keep mm-hmm. that confidence, keep that momentum yeah. and everything else. Finding a way to win a game when when you should have lost, even though it's a bad team. Um, you know, you, you find a way. Sacrifice fly, you know, the free runner scores. Uh, you know, I still, still don't like the free runner deal. But you find a way, key hits, uh, good defensive play, getting the ball in on the double so that they don't score. Just little things, right? Yeah, the little things are are really evident this year as compared to last year. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll break here. Come back talk more about the White Sox. There are a few things that they have to consider that I want to bring up as people are going to start showing up off the IL, thankfully. And we'll talk about that. We'll get to Jesse at nine thirty five here too. You're listening to ESPN One Thousand with Xander and Hanley. We'll be right back. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. How big was Luis Robert getting to that ball, obviously, in left center that Vasquez had? It looked like that was going to be a real tough play to stop that, to cut that off and go on the wall. I mean, it was so many key moments because it was such a close game. But, you know, Biggest impression I get, you know, we really worked to win that game. They, they did too, but we were really working to win and we got rewarded. I mean, all game long, you know, we just kept trying to push. You know, the guys shut us out, we kept pushing, guys went on. That late rally, and I mean, we were, the team was rewarded for trying so hard. So it makes it extra special. What does a win like this uh, show you about, about the ball pump that you have? Just, just proves what I've been telling you about them all along. Man. Art, guts, talent. You know, just, the problem is we're playing other teams that got art, guts, and talent. So it's nice. We'll be working our part. Uh, we'll take care of that. Well, Brian, the Red Sox pitcher Nick Pavetta. Losing record, but boy, he uh, locked us down for most of the game. That was that was a little frustrating. We stranded some people on base, but uh, late game heroics uh, in into the extra innings, and and the White Sox got something that I think uh, again against the Red Sox. I know they're not playing well, but they did uh, you know they did hold us off for a while, and the fact that we got that win now 
good confidence booster. I don't have a lot of hope for Dallas Keuchel, who's on the mound today. But if for some reason he can do his part and we can get some runs on the board and he actually gets a win out of that, will that help him between the years? Maybe. We'll see. Well, a couple, yeah, I mean, a couple of things there, Mark. Nick Pavetta, it shouldn't be that difficult when a guy comes right. in with an almost ADRA, right? I that's, mean, that's the point. And he's shutting yes. you down. Yep, yeah. that, and, that was a little have, frightening. Before the uh, before the ninth inning, you had uh, infield singles, you know, pop-up of the foul, so you weren't doing anything. You weren't barreling the ball at all, and you found a way. I mean, you know, Dylan Cease didn't allow anything, and then your offense did just enough, your defense did enough, your base running was good. It all came together at the end, so you found a way to win a game that you would have hoped would have been easier, uh, an easier victory. But in the end, you get that W. And you know, Dallas Keuchel is interesting because we were talking yesterday. What do you do with him if he goes out and and is the Dallas Keuchel we've seen of the this this year and pretty much last year? I mean, last yep. year he had a five two three ERA. He's got an eight four ERA now, and it just doesn't look good. Eleven walks in fifteen innings um, so far, and he told Daryl Van Schouwen of the uh, Sun-Times uh, that that he's a perfectionist, has been all his life. Now, that's something I've never suffered from. So, you know, I, I just, you know, lucky. I was you a just roll with it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good enough for you. What, what was the old saying? Like, is it C students rule the world or run the world? I mean, a lot of you know CEOs were not perfectionists. But he said, I love this quote from him. He said, some umpires and hitters have dared me to throw strikes. So instead of nitpicking, I have to be on the outer or inner third of the plate instead of trying to uh, dot a gnat's ass on the black. I mean, that's how perfect he wants to be, right? So here's hoping he goes out there and just throws strikes today and doesn't try to paint the corners. Just, you know, try to let him put the ball in play and let the guys behind you do something. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, Dallas Keiko, it's a, I, don't, I don't know if we can overstate how big a, a start this is. It might be his last start for the Chicago White Sox if he goes out there and issues pass after pass and, you know, ends up being the, the 8.40 ERA starter that you're paying $18 million yeah. for. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting today. Look, here's a guy who, you know, he had it between his ears, right? He's a Cy Young Award winner. This yeah. is a few years removed. He's getting older. But as pitchers that know how to pitch, they adjust to age with, uh, you know, compensating for the things they can no longer do. And we'll see if Dallas can step up. If there's a team to do it against, it's Boston. Because, boy, I'll tell you something. I can't imagine hearing Boston sports radio right now uh, regarding the Red Sox. Because yeah. <laughs> they must be pulling their collective hair out. I've got the lineup here. Uh, let's go through it. Leary Garcia had a decent day yesterday, two for three. He's... He's starting out the game. T.A. is on the bench, so he's playing right field. He's batting first. You got Luis Robert in center field batting second. Uh, Jose Abreu, D.H. in today. Yasmani's at first. He's batting cleanup. Gavin Sheets, very cold bat for Gavin. He's in left field. Hopefully he can turn it around. Jake Berger's at third base. I'll tell you something. We're going to talk about this. I don't know what they're going to do with Jake once uh, Moncada comes back, but I've really been impressed with both uh, defense and off, uh, offensive play. From Jake Berger. Reese McGuire uh, behind the uh, plate. Josh Harrison batting uh, seventh at second base. Danny Mendick shortstop batting eighth and or ninth, I should say, in uh, Dallas Keuchel's on the mound. So what are we going to do with Jake Berger? I think this is a guy who has to stay here, but 
when when Mankata comes back and you have uh, somebody that needs to spell some time off for TA, I guess you put Leuri there and maybe you send Mendick down to keep Berger up. That's an interesting perspective. Now, Sheets, or maybe you send him down, but that doesn't really match up with who you have on the field once Mankata comes back. Yeah, and speaking of TA, uh, uh, we have a Twitter poll question because it's been a pretty good week, right? Five straight wins for the White Sox. Yes. Yeah. Who's been the uh, the player of the week for the White Sox? And you're spoiled for choice in some regards, but Twitter only allows you four four options or, or four mm-hmm. answers. So, uh, player of the week is it Tim Anderson? Ta? Is it Dylan Cease? Is it Liam Hendricks, who has been outstanding coming on, you know, closing out games, or is it uh, Louis Robert? And 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 you can you can go add a few more of those if you want three one two three three two three seven seven six. Because uh, I mean, Adam Engel's been great this week. There, there have been a lot of guys who've come up in key situations and delivered, right? Yeah, you know, you know, looking at this list, and you're right. There are a few writings if if you need to write something in. But out of the four that we posted here, I've got to say Liam with Tim Anderson a close second. Hmm. Yeah, Louis Robert can't be out of that equation. No, either. no. I mean, it's hard. It's not. It's not an easy choice by any means, and that's good. That means we we're starting to fire on all cylinders or most cylinders, which is what we need to do. Yeah, I, I, it's it's good to see. Again, you should be winning these games against the Cubs and, and the Red Sox, but you are. And um, you know, yesterday's game, you found a way, and. Teams that aren't really going in the right direction, they lose that game, right? They don't even, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't even show you the good intention. Hey, two weeks ago, the Sox would have blown that. Yeah. Zip. <laughs> no doubt. No <laughs> Lots doubt. of errors, too. 312-332-3776. You can watch us on Twitch. It's sponsored by Cover 5. Use code CHICAGO to sign up at cover5.com. We're talking to Jesse at 9.35. We'll cover the north side and the south side. You know, when uh, Kelly comes uh, to pitch for us, and we haven't seen him this year at all, you know, that's another interesting one, too, because what do we do in the bullpen? I Immediately looking, it, maybe Ryan Bird goes down, right-hander for a right-hander, so we can make some room for uh, Kelly. Well, you know, it's interesting because they've – so Wednesday they have a TBA, a TBA uh, – TBA, TBD, to be determined to be announced for their starter, right? Mm-hmm. And Vince Velasquez, Vinny V, V squared, could go on short rest. But why would you do that when you have Johnny Cueto coming up and ready, right? Yeah, and um, he should be ready by that point. I would imagine yeah. that they're just kind of keeping their options open, but Cueto's probably going to be the guy slotted in. I would hope so. I want to see what he, you know, he brings to the table for you. And, and I wouldn't, you know, Velasquez is going great these last two starts. Don't don't make them go on short rest. You know, keep that going. In the yeah, right don't direction. push it. Don't be right. Don't yeah. push it. No need to push so, that. What What do you think? Okay, Dallas Keuchel said, you know, he's got to stop trying to to dot the uh, nat the dot a nat's ass on the black. He's trying to be too perfect. Mm-hmm. Does he get? Does he give you a quality start today? Does he get to get to the fifth inning? Does he? I, not I actually, play? I actually, I actually think he does. Uh, you know, it will be better than what we've seen. Uh, you know, define quality start for him. See, that's the thing. If it's better than what we've seen, I'm encouraged. Uh, but it's got to be really much better than what we've seen, not just borderline. And what he's saying there 
you know, it has a lot of validity, right? We, we actually saw Dylan Cease doing this the past few years leading up to this year where he's just trying to nibble and he was yep. pitching too much, throwing too many pitches, getting himself out of the game too early because he's trying to be too perfect. Dallas has been around this game long enough. If he's saying that he feels like he's trying to be too perfect and he could actually loosen up today, I think we'll get something better. And remember, you know, he's not a strikeout guy. He's a guy that throws ground balls. And if that is what happens today, then he's on his game. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I mean, okay, so he's top five Cy Young 2020. That seems like 10 years ago, right, instead of a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I can appreciate that he thinks there should have been a lot more one and two counts than two and one counts because, the you know, he's just missing his pitches. And that could be actually accurate, and he might be spot on. But the fact is, they aren't ball. They aren't strikes. They are balls, and there are eleven walks in fifteen innings. So you can't. You just have to throw. You know, don't. Uh, maybe not center cut, but he's right. You better go outer third or inner third, and give your defense a chance to to do what it does. That's what they're there for. Yeah. You know, don't don't try to throw a no hitter today. So that's the thing. That's always been his career, though. You know, yeah. he's a ground ball pitcher. Let the let the team do the work because at 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 this point, you're not blowing away anybody. It's not no. going to happen. And that's the adjustment he's had to make as he's gotten older. 312-332-3776. We're going to talk to Jesse next, and he no doubt will give us some insight on uh, what's <laughs> what the feeling is on the north side and uh, his insight on what's going on on the south side with this uh, winning streak, and hopefully we can continue today. It's uh, Dallas Keiko versus uh, Michael Waka, who does have a winning record. Waka Waka. Waka Waka, 3-0, 1.38 ERA, 19 strikeouts. Uh, we'll see We'll see what he can do against us. Uh, but Dallas has got to hold down the fort. You know, he, yeah, we, we've he got to get at least four or five innings from him. He can't Waka Waka. No, no. <laughs> no, he can't. 312-332-3776. Xander and Hanley will be right back talking to Jesse Rogers here on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Xander and Hanley, ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning. We've got an early game today. White Sox and Red Sox, Keiko on the mound. And we've got Jesse Rogers joining the show. Hey, Jesse, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well, guys. Yeah, I watched a lot of baseball this weekend. Uh, Exciting finish on the south side. Well, up south side of Boston, I guess. I don't know where they play in Boston, actually. <laughs> right. uh, but exciting there. Not so not so much exciting on the north side, which uh, I will be there tonight for baseball tonight. Of course, the feature game of the week, the Cubs and Dodgers. Yeah, well, at least it's not the Cubs and the Reds. Yes, that will be at the Field of Dreams. Yeah, and, and what? So look forward I, I to can't that. Imagine, <laughs> wow. I can't imagine wow. the feeling going into that uh, matchup. People well, I, I would, I, I, hopefully a lot of couples, uh, a lot of Cubs AAA players will be up. Brendan Davis, that's when you know it's going well if nobody nationwide knows anybody on the Cubs because they brought up all their minor leaguers. That actually means good news for the Cubs because those guys are doing well. <laughs> so let's start. The minor let, leaguers they have out there now. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me. I, I don't need. Yeah. I don't see. I don't. Daniel Norris. I don't see any more of him. By the way, I, I mean, and I know he was a spot starter, but. I, how did the Dodgers score six runs on three hits? Oh, yeah. Was it 11 walks? 
Uh, yeah, boy, uh, just... that's so funny you bring that up, Brian. I'm staring at a stat right now. In the modern era, since 1900, the Dodgers at that moment had never scored six or more runs with three or, or, or fewer hits. <laughs> now they ended up with a, a couple record-setting of hits. Yeah, oh, six yeah. or more it, runs it, with three or fewer hits. But they sold 69,000 tickets yesterday. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. Am, there are people am I there. missing the and point? It, yeah, nah. Well, it was one of the nicer days of the spring, yeah. right? That's that's. Hey, we've been waiting a long time for a nice day, so I, I right. get that. That seems to make a lot of sense. Is are those nice days in the uh, you know in the in the deepest part of summer going to fill uh, that place fill up with with what's happening in the field? I'm not sure, but is there any bright spot, anything, Jesse, to give Cubs fans uh, something to appreciate right now? Anything? Well, the, the the key phrase there is right now. I mean, I have a feature up on Seiya Suzuki, and I'm thinking when I wrote it a week oh. ago and then posted, okay, this is the face of the team now, mm-hmm. and he is in a real extended slump now. When I say real extended, it's two weeks, but it almost feels longer because he is about the only guy to watch in that team. Now down to, I think, 158 since his hot start. It was like 11 good games to start the month of April, 11 bad games, and now it's extended into May. You do see some signs. You had that triple to right field. You know, when you go oppo, that's always good and hit the ball hard. So you had a hit in each game. That's that's the start of something. But he still seems to be taking pitches he should be swinging at and or swinging at and swinging through some good pitches. Um, and talking to him, he doesn't think there's any one thing. Like, it's just not the curveball or it's just not the pitch low and away. It's a little bit of everything. So there's some good and bad in that, I suppose. His timing is definitely off. And a lot of his inside is head for sure. He's second-guessing himself at the plate. I think even just a casual fan can see that. So he'll come out of it. That's the one thing. He'll come out of it. If Keegan Thompson had gotten out of the bases loaded jam, I would have pointed to him again. I mean, he had a beautiful strikeout and then a four-pitch walk. But that's kind of what happens with young players, right? So I think there are some positives, very individualized there on the north side going on. Uh, but it's not adding up to anything. They have two home runs from the left side of the batter's box. That's tied for the least in the league. Like tonight against Walker Buehler, you need to be able to run into one or two here and there, especially if you're Ian Happ or Hayward or someone. And and they just don't have the ability to do that. And it's really hard to string four or five hits together in an inning against a team like the Dodgers. So the opponent isn't helping them, and the the little rut that their star player isn't helping them. And certainly Magical's got to come out of it as well. Uh, speaking of Hayward, uh, David Spada called in yesterday and said there there was a cryptic tweet from Jason Hayward this week, almost uh, uh, intimating that they're going to do something with him. Are, there, is there any chance to just go release him? I can't imagine he could even manufacture a trade if he ate 90% of that contract. Is there anything going on there? Because, uh, you know, the, the, he's taken up a spot that maybe you would want to see some of these minor league guys coming up. Um, I can't imagine Ricketts swallowing that money. Is there anything there? I, I, I think there's something there, but not yet. I think it, it'd be weird. Why, why didn't you just cut him in spring training if you're going to do it on yeah, May 7th? I think, yeah. I think the answer to that question comes later when Brennan Davis is pushing, pushing it to make it to the majors. Now, he's off to a slow start in the minors. That's my point. When you really need that roster spot, and they don't, let's face it, they don't. There's some interchangeable parts. Michael Hermosillo has a roster spot, for God's sake. Right. So Jason Hayward can stay. He can stay until he's really pushed. And maybe that is when Brennan Davis is ready. Because when Brennan Davis is ready, you want him playing every day, Suzuki playing every day, and pretty much Adam uh, Ian Happ playing every day. Maybe Frazier uh, you know, gets back out there after his, 
his health issues are past. So I don't think you're at emergency time now where you can't play Hayward. You're not going anywhere. You just no. started the season. But I do think that it, we know what's going to happen. We, we know this guy is not going to finish out 2023 with the team. So it's just a question of when. Is it after the season? Is that the all-star break? Is it middle of next year? I don't know. That's very, those are internal discussions that they're not going to leak out of respect to Hayward. But we know that clock is ticking. And to, for my money, it's when the roster spots are really needed is when, he, when that, a move like that happens. Yeah, Jesse, on the uh, south side, we've got Dallas Keiko on the hill. It's been pretty tough this year. Uh, last year wasn't pretty uh, as well. Former Cy Young Award winner. What does he have to do today to stay on the team? Because eventually, the way we're looking at it, you've got uh, Vince, Vince Velasquez has had two good outings. To Johnny Cueto's, uh, you know, going to pitch for us at some point. Then you've got Lance Lynn coming back. I mean, what's what's the solution on Keiko? How does he remain on the team? Because it doesn't look, especially because of his performance, it doesn't look like he is going to be uh, long for the team through uh, through the end of this season, at least. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel that way. Now you do want to hold on to any healthy arms for as long as you can. Mm. So let's let's see how this plays out. But I don't disagree with you. It's just been trending this way for I don't want to say over a year, but almost close to it at this point. Right by the second half of last year, we kind of knew. He was on the outside looking in as one of their key pitchers. Doesn't help to have some weird start time today for a veteran because, you know, they, they don't like that. But the bigger thing is um, Tim Anderson's getting rested. And this team is not good when he's out of the lineup uh, compared to when he's in it. Uh, so we'll see how that, you know, how that plays out. But regardless of the lineup, he still has to just pitch well. Like he's had some bad luck behind him. I mean, that, those errors and he's had some balls get through. Oh, no doubt. And he, yeah. will, and he will use the bad luck. We'll, we'll call it excuse as much as anybody. It's over. You can't, you, you're done with it. Get the ball on the ground. Get, get it hit to teammates. Get some swings and misses. Just pitch well. And you right. have the right team to do it against. The Boston Red Sox are an yep. absolute mess. Their, their OPS uh, is down like at 26 with the Tigers and the Royals. They're awful at the plate right now. We saw what happened yesterday. They couldn't add on. Couldn't even score in the 10th inning, for God's sakes, when the, when the Sox took the lead. So, yes, this is your chance. Granted, it's on the road, early morning, no Tim Anderson. But you have to put that all behind. You are pitching for your White Sox career. So you Absolutely. Have to well. and there's there's he, my answer. Yeah, he's a ground ball pitcher, and he has to stop trying to be perfect and let the field do the work, and hopefully they could uh, put some runs behind him without Tim in there. Before we let you go, I want to ask you about this. Jake Berger, I think, has been great, both offensively and defensively. Uh, maybe even a surprise to some. Do they send Mendick down for Mankata? Then, when uh, Mankata comes back, uh, they've got to keep Berger up, I think. I'm going to give you my opinion. I'm going to say, yes, they keep Berger up. I, I think he's been great. He's been a great addition in the locker room. I, I mean, I would even think, and I think there's been some whispers about this, I would even think about putting Mankata second. Remember, they're not getting much production there and leaving the burglar at third base uh, unless Jake can make the transition to second. I would try to somehow keep both of those bats in the lineup and glove for that matter. But yeah. burglar's, burglar's been great at third defensively. We know Makata, I mean, in the offseason, Han said no to, to Makata at second, but that was before, you know, uh, burglar showed up and the production at second dropped even more than it was last year. So I, I love Josh Harrison, but the numbers aren't quite there. I don't know if you do that right away coming off an injury, but, it, you know, I don't think it's that hard to pick up second base if you've played it before. 
But to answer your question, yes, I would keep Jake Berger in uh, on the major league team. And you know, Joe, you're, keeping, me, you're keeping your best 26. He's one of them. And right. Jesse, you know, yesterday, uh, Fangraphs had, or through Thursday, Fangraphs had the, the Sox at 57% chance to be a playoff team. They've won five straight, and they're still, what, they're, they're three, three and a half back of the Twins. Yeah. You know, the injuries, we, we know. I mean, we don't have to go chapter and verse. We know how devastating they've been to this team. Uh, are they should they feel good that they're sitting in second uh, a few games back at this point given the the poor play and the injuries at times or you know would you would you bet a dollar on them being a playoff team right now or, or do you have to see more no i'd probably bet a dollar on them i think I, <laughs> I think the word i used on friday or uh when i was with carmen is it just it's going to be a grind and i don't think we used that word last year about this team at all i think it will be a grind i think the best thing about just even the last week this win streak is it's Vince Velasquez, it's Matt Foster, it's not yeah. frontline guys. They're actually showing up. Jake Berger, the, the depth is showing up. Rick Hahn spoke about the depth in spring. You never really believe it until you see it, right? But to see what Velasquez, well, let's not understate. You know, you know, not we got to make that a big deal because he was awful last year, mm-hmm. and what he did against the Angels and then on the road against the Red Sox. Unbelievable what Matt mm-hmm. Foster has done in his last few appearances. So if you're telling me they're deep at 27, 28, 29th, 30th man on the roster, now now I'm starting to believe in this White Sox team because we know Luis Robert when healthy is going to be there. We know the frontline guys will be there. Giolito's going to have his run. They're going to go on some runs. So yes, I'd buy. I'd pay a dollar, but I don't think it's going to be a five game lead in three weeks. You know, I just think it's going to be a grind for a while at least. I'll throw five at that myself <laughs> well the cubs even win four, can the cubs win four games in a row from now till the end of the season the answer is yes because it, it i do think they'll be streaky against the right opponent it's going to be an opponent that has some average lefty starters that they hit well against it's obviously going to be you know a team that's 500 or below you know a series or two where the matchups are right for them and that matchup is not dominant on the mound whatever that is so whether it be, I don't know, the well, Diamondbacks actually can pitch a little bit. Yeah, they're 500 you know, pick, now. Yeah, pick pick that team or two that is just okay on the mound and, and, and doesn't have a dominant righty staff or Clayton Kershaw. And, yes, I do think they'll reel off a few. Of course they're going to win four in a row at some point, Brian. I know you're being I don't facetious. Think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Rogers, thanks for joining us. Have fun at Wrigley tonight, will you? We'll see you tonight on the TV. Yes, about 5.30, uh, baseball tonight. We'll talk about Suzuki and uh, – Maybe some talk about that umpire apologizing in Arizona. I know if you saw that story I wrote. Rare that, was, that uh, an umpire apologized publicly for that uh, ejection of Madison Baumgartner. Is this a turning point? Are we going to start hearing more from umps now? I doubt it. I, I don't think so. I think that one ump might lead to more, a few more, but it's a very individualized. It's not like the league told him to do this. This is just a guy. You know, how, if you're one of those people that feels really bad about something, you've got to get it out there. This was one of those guys. But I don't think we're going to see a huge trend, though. Could it open the door for the, for another one or two? Yes. But this was very individualized. He wanted to say this publicly. Joe All right, Jesse. Come thanks, out of buddy. Retirement and say, don't do that again. Don't apologize <laughs> about anything. Yeah. If Joe West apologized, we'd still be talking. It'd be a week long apology. <laughs> yeah, it would be a month long talk. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, Jesse. Thank you, All Jesse. Right, It's ESPN 1000. We're going to come back and wrap this up. It was a shorty today. We've got Connor McKnight on the pregame at uh, 10 a.m. as the uh, White Sox take in on the Red Sox for an early game out in Boston on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We'll be right back here on ESPN 1000. 
Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, your home for the Chicago White Sox. Connor McKnight at 10 a.m. with the pregame leading into an early game on Mother's Day in Boston Red Sox versus our White Sox. And before we get to the poll, Brian, Xander and uh, Hanley here, uh, let's go to John from Wheeling. He wants to talk about the White Sox. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, I just have a quick question as to yeah. is there a good reason why you can't flip-flop uh, Keiko and Ronaldo Lopez? And have Keiko go to long relief. Wow. Um, well, I think anything is possible. I just don't. If, if Keiko isn't performing, do we want him there? Because uh, Ronaldo's been a pretty good tool in that position right there. He got got himself in trouble and out of trouble yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he's four and zero. I mean, think about being. Right. You were holding your breath every time he took the took the mound, right? And you just can't ask Dallas Keuchel to do something that he's never done at this point in his career. It's it's just it's it's just I I do I don't see I, I do, how that works see. out for anybody. So, but thanks thanks for your call. It's look it's either he goes out and starts today and does what he used to do and he starts doing it more consistently, or you're going to have to have an exit plan for Dallas Keuchel. It's that simple. He's just you're paying him eighteen million dollars. He seems to think he knows what's going wrong. He's he's got to start trying to be uh, less perfect just and just throw strikes. And if he can do that today and add and then start stringing consecutive starts together, great. Everyone will be happy. Um, I, think I think so. Yeah. He's pitching like uh, Jesse said today, and we said yesterday. He's pitching for a Sox career today. I, I don't think that's overstating it. If he goes out there and what's the bad. You got to figure out within a week. And, and Jesse brought up a good point, Brian. You know, uh, Keuchel has not had good fielding behind him on a first couple of his starts. I mean, that blowout uh, was it the Guardians? Oh, that was just really tough to watch yeah, in sure. so many different ways. So, no excuses. But if he stops trying to be perfect and he lets his fielders do the work, as we've said, I think it's going to look a little better for him today. Uh, thanks, John, for the call. We've got this poll here, and this was uh, put up by you, Brian. Who was the White Sox player of the week? Now, there could be many more than just four. Well, you could have had eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. No right? doubt. We're, we're only allowed four on Twitter. So here's our here are your choices. Tim Anderson, Dylan Cease, Liam Hendricks, Luis Robert. And uh, before we get to the, uh, uh, you know, the um, uh, the tally here, I'm going with me personally, Liam, then Tim, then Dylan, then Luis, and and that's tough because Luis really shouldn't be in the bottom of and, anything. And Jake Berger, like you know, you guys have been saying, and Berger, be yeah, a, Berger's been solid too. So I would go, I would vote Liam uh, myself because yeah, he, yeah, he closed out all those games and he did it well. So yeah, and uh, Jake, if you want to jump in and uh, give us a tally on this poll here, which uh, which one won? For sure. So with your guys, uh, Liam Hendricks had 30.5%, but he was beat. He was in second place by Dylan Cease with 34% in first. And then Tim Anderson with 23.4% and Luis Robert coming in last with 12.1%. Okay. And I think I know why that happened. I mean, Dylan is the big story here, right? Tim Anderson is the leader of the team. And, and Liam is supposed to do what he's doing. Dylan, we had hopes, but boy, has he really come through. Yep, and and more of that, please. I mean, did just fine yesterday. So yeah, and they found a way. He didn't get the win, but they got the win. That's all that matters. No, we're right, right, right. And his performance was just dominant. So it was really nice to see that uh, 
Dylan has seemingly turned the corner. Looking forward to seeing uh, Michael Kopech again on the mound because I think he's making strides in the right in the right way. And uh, Lance Lynn will be back in June at some point and look forward to seeing Johnny Cueto. <laughs> he's got that weird little twitchy thing going on. It, it, it'll be good to see him in a White Sox uniform. God knows he's given us fits in, in uh, some starts over the years. Hug your mom today. Happy Mother's Day. Yep. And uh, enjoy what should be a, a beautiful day and uh, enjoy White Sox baseball. Uh, yeah. Con- ESPN 1000. Yep. Connor McKnight is next with the pregame. Brian, always good to uh, hang with you and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Thanks Jake. Mark.